Thank you, Sir Raymond. You are welcome. Is it on? Okay, yay. Praise the Lord. Can I share Praise something? Praise you can Hi. share. Hallelujah. You know, uh, something's been going off in my spirit the last couple months in prayer. And I, when I got up this morning, it happened again. And it was this, the Lord was reminding me, because I think you stirred it up inside of me, uh, Carol, about the days when, the beginning days with the Lord. And how I was so excited to always go with believers, to go to church, to go to outreach, to go to, I never got tired. I never looked at my watch and said, is this ever going to end? I, I was, I would always go, oh, it's over. Because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, that was real inside of me. And the Lord is saying in this hour that he's bringing that back again. The people of God are going to start coming back and saying, isn't, how does it go? I was glad I was when glad they said unto me, me let, let us go, go into, into the, the house of the Lord. Of the Lord. Psalms 122. And, and I went running all the time. I was always waiting for, for the doors to open. I, w- I was one of the last ones to leave. And my heart was always excited. And, and that takes a move of God. It's not just a natural thing. It's where God is. And so I really sense that. This is one of those places where the people are going to come and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be with you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, our prayer prayer meeting this morning began with this phrase. Songs, styles... And the vessels I use may change. But entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise shall never change. I'll say it again. Songs, styles, and vessels that I use may change. But entering into his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise shall never change. Hallelujah. And we began to pray, Lord, let this spirit that produced renewal and revival return to your local bodies. Hallelujah. What spirit is that? The spirit that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go Into the house of the Lord. That is a prevalent spirit in times of renewal and revival. People of God want to gather. When God is moving in our hearts, there's a unity of the spirit that prevails. And we want to gather together with those of like precious faith. We were a part of a great revival in the 1990s in Pensacola, Florida, where the, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And people came from every continent, from every state, and they 
stood outside in a line that went around uh, an entire block and they waited from early morning to evening to get into the sanctuary because there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and that is one of the telltale signs that God is pouring out His Spirit. There are many, but that is the one telltale sign in a heart is they want to gather together. They want to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise, with the people of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was the same testimony that I had that Carolyn gave you when I was first saved. I wanted to come and gather with other believers. It was a joy to be in the light with them. It was a joy to hear the word of God with them. It was a joy to worship and praise Jesus with them. Because you see, I'd been in the darkness. I'd been in sin. I'd been in bondage all that time. Now it was all different. And when I met another believer, I thought, wow, there's somebody else besides me that's born again. Have we forgotten how precious this fellowship is that we have in the Lord? I remember a few years ago I led, well, actually my brother led him to the Lord, a man that lives in my hometown in New Hampshire. And he led him to the Lord and then kind of passed him on to me since he lived in my town. And he said, well, you pour into him and you disciple him. And I remember this man, he's in his early 40s now, he's almost 50, but he said, You know, he thought the only Christians in the whole world were my brother and I and our wives because he he was a Catholic man and he'd been around the Catholics and he'd been around sinners and heathen relatives and friends all his life and they only knew how to sin. You know, that's all they knew how to do was sin. And so when he, when he got born again, he just had such a love because when you're born again, the love of God immediately is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So that love just flowed out of him immediately and he just loved my brother and I because my brother led him to the Lord and I began to disciple him and he just loved being with us. One day he was driving to a, uh, I guess he was on a gas station and somebody needed help with their car and he offered, see the love of God's already manifest. He doesn't even know the word yet. He wants to help them now. See, he's got this tenderness in his heart, and I wanted to help him. And the guy didn't have a certain tool. I forget if it was a wrench or something. And so he drove all the way home a few miles, came back with the tool. And then they told him, he began to tell him about Jesus, and they said, well, we're born again. And he got so excited. He said, you're born again. You mean Bert and Roy Ferris are not the only people that are born again. There's actually somebody else in my state that actually born again. He got so excited about it. <laughs> and that, that man prays for me and my family and our ministry every day. Been doing it for years. God only knows how much of a reward and a hand he's got in all that we've done in these last few years. Hallelujah. That's why I love to be around new baby believers because if they've really been converted and they've really been born again, there's just an excitement and a zeal that's so contagious in their hearts. They just want to be with 
believers and they want to tell other people, sinners, about this new life and this Jesus that they found. Hallelujah. Well, that spirit is returning to the local church and the body of Christ because it's going to get so dark in the world that believers are going to know, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I want to run to my own company. I want to be with my own people. I want to worship God with them. I want to pray with them. I want to listen to the word with them. That's going to get more and more distinct as the return of the Lord draws nearer and nearer. Hallelujah. Not too long ago when we were up in Oregon here in May, the Lord spoke to us about the prodigals. And actually, we began to just declare and prophesy some things because he said it's, it, is now the, it is now a time when the prodigals will return. It is now a time when the prodigals will come home. Well, you say, isn't it always time for them to return? Yes, it is. But there is a time and a season when the Lord begins to move on the on their hearts and they all come and they all start returning. Returning first to the Lord in right fellowship with God and then returning to the local body and being in right fellowship with man. And the Lord said it is an hour now where you can call the prodigals to come on home because they're coming. My spirit is moving upon their hearts. And so we do that even right now at the beginning of this service. Lord, every prodigal in this region, we call them back to God, number one. And we call them back into fellowship with man and into local bodies, number two. In the name of Jesus, angels, I thank you now for we commission you now. We send you forth now. And Lord, let by your spirit now, you begin to draw those prodigals as you did the prodigal of old. When they came to their senses in the pig pen, they said, man, I had it better in my father's house. Even so, let them come to their senses. Let them leave their pig pens and let them begin to walk on back home right now in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. Let a whirlwind of your spirit begin to work over the prodigals wherever they are. Let the whirlwinds of your spirit begin to draw them, convict them, and draw them back home. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that there can be rejoicing in the house. So that, so that the fatted calf can be killed. So that we can put a robe on their back and a ring on their finger. So we can celebrate their homecoming. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Even relatives that we have, loved ones that we have, all fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles and cousins and friends, even they, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for a whirlwind of your spirit now that hovers over them and begins to draw them back, granting them a deep, a deep dissatisfaction, granting them a deep conviction, making them even miserable in their sins so that they turn, they turn, their hearts are softened and they turn and they walk on back and begin their journey back to you and back to the people of God. Hallelujah. Now give him praise. Glory to God. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that anointing. Glory to God that draws the prodigals back home. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. The verse we quoted, I was glad when they said in my heart, let us, I was glad when they said unto me, let us return unto the house of the Lord or go to the house. That's Psalm 122, if you're wondering. But let's go to Acts 2. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Stand in faith concerning what was just declared. Hallelujah. Don't plead and beg God. If you know prodigals, just say, Lord, it's been declared. I thank you that you're working, drawing the prodigals back home. Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Acts chapter 2. Um. Father, we just thank you for what you've done this weekend and the rich fellowship, the rich word, the move of the spirit that we've had. Thank you for this house, this great corporate place where people have gathered for many years. Lord, I thank you for increase here too, not just among the prodigals, even sinners to come. And be saved. But Father, even workers that are already trained and prepared to come and help in this body. I call them forth too in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for blessing your word. And now to our ears and our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You know, this is really the first... New Testament outpouring. And I love the word outpouring because it's really what we need today is an outpouring. And, you know, people have many definitions that they've come up with over the years about what revival is. But the simplest definition is it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the simplest definition. And we need outpourings everywhere today, not just in one place, but everywhere. And in Acts chapter 2, we understand this to be the first outpouring that there was in the early church. And notice what happened here. Uh, You know, we're not going to read this whole chapter, but uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Everybody say one accord. One place. You can be in one place and not be in one accord. Actually, you can be in one accord and not be in one place. I have great unity with brothers that live all over the world, all over the United States. We have tremendous agreement in the spirit. We're hardly ever together. But when you bring people in the spirit that have agreement together in one place, there's, there's a united power then. That's present there. And that's what there was here. Tremendous agreement in the spirit. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house. There's that word house again. They were, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. Of the Lord. We know that under the New Testament, we are the house of God individually, but also corporately, we are the house of God. 
Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But this place is also, in a way, a temple of the Holy Spirit where people gather together collectively. And there appeared to them uh, divided tongues of fire, and each it sat upon each one of them. So we see the wind here and the fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In times of revival, there is a renewed emphasis on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what there was here. They became aware of the one that Jesus promised would come, the Comforter. They didn't know what he was going to look like. They didn't know how he was going to come. They Really, they had expectation, but they didn't know what to expect. I mean, how, all they know is what Jesus said to them. They must have wondered, well, how do we know when he comes? How will he come? How will he enter? How will he, he he's going to, Jesus said he's going to live in us. He's going to rest upon us. How, how he's going to take the place of Jesus. How can that be? So there was an expectation, but they didn't know what it was going to look like. And many times in, in times of, of revival and in times of an outpouring, we, we don't know. How it's going to look. We don't know how it's going to start. We don't know how it's going to manifest. Because in different outpourings, there are different manifestations. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Notice this revival. When it began to happen, notice it says in verse 6, When this sound occurred, the multitude came together. There's that word again. Together. They came together. Why? Because they heard a sound. Well, they probably heard it not just physically, most of all physically, but you can hear a sound spiritually as well. It is a sound in the spirit. It is a sound that you know in your hearts something's going on. So when this sound was heard, they were gathered together. And then, of course, the miracle where they heard everyone speak in their own language. Then in verse 7, the miracle that brought them together also amazed them and caused them to marvel. And during an outpouring, there's a, there's a sound, there's a gathering together. And then people marvel and are amazed again at the works of Jesus. They marvel and they're amazed again at the work of the Holy Spirit. They marvel and they're amazed again at the Word of God that's being preached. They marvel and they're amazed again at the presence and the manifestation of the Lord that's in our midst. Hallelujah. And it even causes the curious, the curiosity seekers, the curious onlookers to come and see. Because we see right here in verse number 12, they were all amazed. Some were perplexed and they said to one another, whatever or what does this mean? So even the curiosity seekers will come and say, what's happening in in modern vernacular? What's going on? What does this mean? When they lined up in the church in Pensacola, when the outpouring began, they came from all over the world and and they lined up from early morning till they opened the doors to the sanctuary in the evening. And some of the people were asking, what does this mean? What is going on? Well, you have to go inside the sanctuary to see what's going on. 
Because some of them were new. Many backsliders came back to the Lord, but there was also many sinners. 150,000 sinners got saved in that revival in a five-year period. You don't just have that by putting a sign in front of the church saying revival. You know, next five years, come, bring somebody. You know, it was an outpouring. It advertised itself. Word of mouth got out and it went around the world even before the Internet was really popular. It somehow went around the world and people heard about it. But even the curiosity people, they come. They had witches that came. They had newsmen and media that came, reporters. They had all kinds of people that came. Some came mocking and left mocking, but many of them came mocking out of curiosity, and they left the transformed. They left with a touch of God on their lives. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's time. It's time. Notice what else happened here. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43 now. Peter, well, you know what? Peter had preached. You know, Peter preached the first New Testament sermon. Amen. And he preached a message that pricked the hearts of the people. But see, his message came from the outpouring. When there's an outpouring, we preach messages that penetrate and pierce the hearts and the consciousness of men. Because why? Because there's an energy, there's a spirit that's prevalent in revival. And when you preach, it's different. And when Peter began to preach, when he preached, people were asking him, what must we do to be saved? There was no pleading, there was no begging, just straight up preaching. The sword of the Spirit came forth, and it came because there was an outpouring. But see, Peter's preaching also brought an outpouring. So his preaching came from an outpouring, but his preaching produced an outpouring because 3,000 more people were added to the Lord. Hallelujah! And then a couple of chapters later, another Four or five thousand people were added to the Lord. Hallelujah. Something was happening. Glory to God. And the Bible says in verse 43 of Acts chapter 2 that fear came upon every soul. There's another thing that happens that we often forget in times of revival, in times of outpouring. There's a fear that comes. The fear of the Lord comes upon every soul. Why? Because there's something from another world that they feel. There's something from another universe that they sense. I remember reading about the Wales revival. And a matter of fact... Oh, glory to God. You can tell where I've been, where I've been living the last uh, few days. Tongues and revival. <laughs> I got to give this back to you because I, I borrowed it. Uh, I, might, I might refer to it. Hallelujah. But I want to read something here. Oh, I didn't mark it. But uh, let me find it. Um, yeah, here it is. Glory to God. Um, in the Wales revival, there was a man... Uh, 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 a London newspaper editor who at this time was considered one of the most powerful men in Britain. And he came to the revival. And this was the impression that he got of the Wales revival. He said, there's something there from another world. 
You cannot say whence it came. He uses the old King James. You cannot say whence it came or whither it is going. But it moves and lives and reaches for you all the time. You see men and women go down in sobbing agony before your eyes as the invisible hand of God clutches at their heart and you shudder. This was probably a man that was carnal, a man that probably didn't know the Lord that came to this revival. And this was his first impression. And then um, he was asked, because there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of emotion in an outpouring. And he, he, you know, people came and they saw a lot of emotion and they said, somebody asked him, you know, with all this emotion, is there any teaching of the Bible that's going on here? You know, the people that, you know, we got to have balance, you know, we got to, and thank God for the teaching. But this man, here's how he responded. Is there any teaching in the revival, the teaching the Bible? He said, precious little. Do you think teaching is what people want in a revival? These people, all the people in a land like ours, are taught to death, preached to insensibility. They all know the essential truths. They know they are not living as they should, and no amount of teaching will add anything to that conviction. (laughs) Hallelujah, I said it, praise the Lord. No amount, no amount of teaching will add anything to the conviction that people already know what they're supposed to be doing, but they're not doing it. And see, Charles Finney made another statement. Um, I should have marked these, but I, here it is. I found it, praise God. I know my own book, glory to God. Oh, is that your book? Sure, sure, I'll give it to you. People, uh, Amazon.com. Um, but I didn't bring my, my product, so I'm sorry. But um, you can find it on Amazon and on our website, Holy Fire Ministries. People, here's, here's what Finney said. People, see, we, we don't hear this today. And we don't understand this. We don't understand this. Uh, especially uh, word and faith people, they just understand how to believe, receive, declare, speak. And that's good. But that's just one little piece of the pie. That's just one, one little piece of the pie. Okay? Um, he said this, and how many know Finney was an authority on revival because he had it. All right? The fruit of his life was revival. All these people that talk about revival, they've never had it. They've never seen it. They've never been in it. They don't know what it's like. And all of a sudden, they're just experts on what revival is. God help us. People are spiritually sluggish. So many things lead their minds away from God and oppose the influence of the gospel that God must arouse excitement in them until the wave rises so high that it sweeps away all the obstacles. Before they will obey God, people must be thoroughly awakened. Only then will they overcome counteracting forces. And he continues, worldly desires, appetites, and feelings prevent true Christianity. The human will is, in a sense, enslaved by fleshly and worldly desires. It is therefore necessary for God to awaken people to a sense of guilt and danger. And thus produce an opposite excitement of feeling and desire. The counter feeling breaks the power of worldly desire and leaves the will free to obey God. Hallelujah. 
See, I came up in the word of faith, but at the same time, I came up in some of this stuff. I was reading Finney. I was reading Wesley. I was reading Charles Spurgeon. I was reading these old, these, that's how God put a heart of revival in me because I read so much about revival and I realized, man, this is, this is something from another world. This is an outpouring. There's all kinds of wonderful things that happen in revival that no man can ever produce in his flesh and in the strength of his own arm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this kind of preaching that makes people feel guilty. See, that's, that's taboo in our word and faith circles. But you know, there's a place for people to feel that guilt and to feel a warning from God where they are arrested. And they feel like during times of revival, God gets personal with you. He calls your name. He speaks right to your heart. And even the things that are in your life that may be sin or a bondage or displeasing to God, He identifies them. Not so you can stay in them, but so you can be convicted and made aware. And then you can be drawn back to God and be forgiven and cleansed and made right with God. Hallelujah. It's the mercy of God. Conviction is the mercy of God. When you don't feel conviction, that is the greatest danger there is. It's like Samson. He did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. That's a danger. You know, we have a friend that lived in the gay lifestyle for many years. And he knew because he came up in the church. And he knew some of the word. And he, he knew that this was wrong. But he kept doing it. Year after year after year, he was in this lifestyle. And every once in a while, he'd pray in tongues to make sure the Holy Spirit had not left him. That is how scared he was. And God finally got a hold of him a few years ago and shook him. And he realized, man, if I go a step further, I may not ever come back. I may not ever be able to come back. I may be lost forever. And he felt that sense of guilt and danger. And he turned to the Lord with all his heart. And he said, God, help me, a sinner. I've been in such an abominable abominable sight to you. I've been in this abomination for so many years. Can you please have mercy on me and forgive me? And God did. And the man's in Bible school today, learning the Bible and learning to be a minister of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's the greatest mercy that God can show a sinner is for them to feel that sense of guilt and danger. Glory to God. Yeah, would you say it it again? Sinner in the church. Yeah, we 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 need to sense that in the church again. Because there are, the churches today are full of false converts that have never been thoroughly convicted and thoroughly searched out. And have just never repented of their sins, really. And they're made comfortable in their sins. We have a message today that comforts people in their sins. It's a false comfort that leads to damnation if they don't wake up. If if they're not awakened by the Spirit of God. So we, we do more damage sometimes by administering a false comfort to people. When, when what they need to do is to, they need to be afflicted, not comf- comforted. 
They need to be afflicted. They need to feel that sense of guilt and that sense of danger, that sense of not things are not right. Just like our friends sense that. Hallelujah. When Elijah called down fire from heaven, he said to the prophets of Baal, How long do you halt between two opinions? If Baal be Baal, serve him. If God be God, serve him. And they didn't answer him. And you know, today, there's so much effort that's put into the work of evangelism, into the work of growing our churches and growing our numbers and, and growing our, our, getting our buildings fuller of pe- full of people. And, and, and we come to the place where it's really a good place to be when we come to the end of ourselves and we come to the end of our own strength and we realize it doesn't matter. Man's efforts cannot produce what only God can produce. They say, what's the use? We, we spend so much money for advertisement and we spend so much money for things that trying to produce a move of God. But when God poured out his fire at his prophet's command, they all fell on their faces and said, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. There was no more debate. The debate was over. The battle was over. They said, oh, what must we do to get right with Jehovah? Hallelujah. When the fire comes, people fall on their faces and their hearts are turned back to God. That's what we saw in the Pensacola outpouring. They fell on their faces and they turned their hearts to God by the droves, by the hundreds, by the thousands, by the tens and hundreds of thousands. Four million people came to that revival in a five-year period. From around the world because of a great, great outpouring. Hallelujah. Because God was getting personal with people. Hallelujah. And the Lord wants to get personal with people in this hour. Hallelujah. But see, there's a responsibility. And this is what I want to get to. There's a responsibility that we have as the body of Christ. Because we have these two extremes. Two ditches in the church today. One ditch is, you know, they're trying to produce it in their own efforts and with their own strength. It's like the foreign uh, 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 believer, the minister, I think it was a minister, he came over from another land. I can't remember which country he came from. And he had heard so much about the American churches, that how great the American churches, how big the American churches were, how much they were doing. So he toured the country and visited these mega churches. And at the end of it all, I think it was several weeks, somebody asked him, well, what did you think? He said, I have learned something. I have learned how much man can produce without God in America. That was a spiritual man. (laughs) That man had a spiritual mind to detect and discern all this bigness is not going to fool me. All this newness is not going to fool me. All this hype and glitter is not going to fool me. Man's doing it all. That ought to make us fall on our face and pray for the American church. Hallelujah. But we have a responsibility because we are his body and he is the head of this body. 
And the head, see, the, the, the other extreme is, well, you know, the Lord has to do it. The Lord is by His sovereign ways and His sovereign will that revival comes. We just have to wait until the next wave comes, until the next outpouring comes. And it's up to God's sovereignty to bring it because we can't produce anything in and of ourselves. Well, that's true and false. You, we cannot produce anything in and of ourselves, but we can't just wait and sit and rot and wait for the sovereign God to someday pour out His Spirit in order to get people saved, get people filled with the Holy Ghost, get people back to God, and cause the manifestation of His Spirit to come in a mighty way. That's, that's a worse danger than the other one, in, in fact. I think more dangerous is probably more more harm has been done to the body of Christ because it's God's sovereignty. We we emphasize God's sovereignty at the expense of the human will and the human ability to cooperate with God. See what what the body of Christ can your head do anything without your body? Just just a natural, logical analogy. Can the body do anything without the head? So it's the same way in the spirit. Jesus cannot. Do, he could say, I cannot do anything without you. Just what, how we say to him, Lord, we, we, we are nothing and can do nothing without you. He would almost say the same thing to us. Because you are my hands, you are my feet. I can, I can do nothing without you. Why is that? Because he has commissioned us and he has given us the authority. He has authorized us as his church. We have to get a revelation, a fresh new revelation of the authority that we have as the church and as his believers. Hallelujah. I mean, the devil was the God. He still is the God of this world. Because Adam committed high treason and passed on the keys of the authority that God had given him, passed it on to the serpent, Satan, and he's had those keys until Jesus Christ was crucified, buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead and he ascended on high and he said, I am him that was dead. I'm now alive and I have the keys of hell and death. But see, most of the world doesn't know that, but the body of Christ should know that. Then he turned around and said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. In other words, I give you authority now. You have the keys now. You go forth now. And much of our authority that we exercise is not just in preaching and working the works of God. It is also and most of all in prayer. And this is where... The rubber meets the road. Because with all the praying that supposedly goes on in this country, and all the prayer movements, and stadiums are full of people that pray, and I am not despising that or mocking that or putting that down. Anybody that tries to lead a prayer movement, they have my respect. Anybody that brings people together in prayer, they have my utmost honor and respect. I'm not knocking that. But with all the prayers and all the warfares and all the prophecies and all the things, where is this mountain-moving revival and this this shake-the-earth kind of outpouring. So something's not right. Something is not right 
I think we talk about prayer more than we actually pray. I think we rejoice about prayer more than we actually pray. I think we hear about prayer more than we actually pray. And when we do pray, our prayers are weak. And they amount to, you know, God bless us all if you can. Help us all if you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm just talking about the church as a whole. The universal church prays too much in English, and they don't pray enough in the Spirit of God with other tongues, with groanings and travail, with fastings. We don't pray that way. The church could accomplish more just in their midweek prayer meeting if they had more spiritual praying instead of praying with their understanding all the time and praying what they think is good, what they think is right, what, what that they should pray in the Spirit. This is where I've been spending a little time here in this book because every one of you needs to get this book and know this book like you wrote it yourself. Because this is Pentecost, and this is what Pentecost brought, and this is what our prayer language can do. People that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other they are at a great, great disadvantage. In the church today, it's optional. In the early church, it was essential. I mean, it was like getting born again. We don't put up with people that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit and have not spoken in other tongues. That was not acceptable in the early church. And you know, another thing that wasn't acceptable, everyone was water baptized. You know, we get away from these simple doctrines, the doctrine of Christ and the doctrine of baptisms. We get away from some of these things. We get away from the doctrine of repentance from dead works. We get away from the doctrine of the judgment, eternal judgment. We get away from the doctrine even of the resurrection. Because there are many different resurrections that take place at different times. And this is the milk. The Bible calls that the milk of the word. And that there's, there's a multitude of believers that can't even identify what are the six doctrines of Christ. They couldn't even tell you. Never, never, never mind defining them and what they, you know, what they actually are. So we got work to do still. We have a lot of work to do. But, you know, there's hope in God if we, if we put our dependency more on him than we do on us. See, that's the secret. Yeah, we have authority. We know to pray. But we're limited. It's God that gives the increase. One plants in other waters, but God gives the increase. See, when the waters of Marah got bitter, Moses called to the Lord and called on his name. And the Lord said, cast that tree into the, into, the, uh, into the waters. And what happened? The waters were no longer bitter. Well, what caused that miracle? Because that's a mighty miracle, like changing the water into wine. What caused that miracle? Well, some people say, well, it was the tree. No, it wasn't the tree. You can throw any old tree into a, into a river or a body of water. It's not going to do anything. Why you say, you know, it was God that did it. Yes, it was God that did it. But he did it with the cooperation and the obedience of Moses. And there's the balance. The body and the head, the head and the body work together. His obedience to the word of God triggered that miracle. 
He could have said, well, Lord, you know, that's just a dumb tree. I don't, I don't want to, what's a tree going to do? What's that, if you throw it into the water, that's not going to do anything. And you know what? The waters would have stayed bitter. That simple obedience caused, caused, caused the miracle to manifest. You know, it's the same way in prayer. We don't always know. See, our minds sometimes can't get in on spiritual, can't get in, in on, on spiritual prayer, but we're always trying to. We want to know what's going on. And sometimes it's real easy to get up into your imagination and, and visualization and just imagine a bunch of things. But you may be praying in a whole different vein. You think you're praying this and God, you know, is praying something different. You got to know the spirit of God and know the anointing and, and interpret rightfully what you're praying. Because God will let us interpret our prayers so that our minds can also have understanding and be fruitful. In that book, in tongues, towards the end of the book, Brother Hagin talked about, and this is before, obviously, you know, we're talking, this is 2017. This is, this is like more than 20, 20 years ago at least, where that book was a, a compiled, a compilation of a lot of Brother Hagin's teachings on the Holy Ghost and the baptism and tongues and prayer. They put it all together in that one thick book. But he said... That there's waves, the move of God is like waves that come into the seashore. And he talked about the different waves, you know, the healing wave back in the 50s, 40s and 50s that he was a part of. He talked about the charismatic wave where God visited denominations and people came out of the denominational churches and got born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit by, by the droves. And he talked about the word of faith, the word in faith, or, or the teaching wave that came. He talked about all these waves. And he said, I sense, this is before he died. He said, I sense in my spirit that the wave that is coming is bigger than all those other waves put together. I think he said it's going to be twice as big as all those waves put together. And he had been a man, he was almost 80 years old at this time. He'd seen a lot of waves. He'd seen the move of God. And he said, in my spirit, I sense it. But it's going to take more prayer. And he said, sometimes the few that really pray and know how to pray in the spirit, it's like there's a large body of water up above us, like the Pacific Ocean. And he said, if we could just reach up high enough and pull that lever, the entire ocean water would come and submerge us on the earth. So sometimes it feels like that, but we don't have enough help. We need more help from the body of Christ to get up there and pull that lever and give birth to a great wave and a great tsunami, a great move of God. But see, some of us would rather talk about prayer, preach on prayer, rejoice in prayer, tell others how much we pray, tell others what the Lord did say, and everything we act so spiritual. But the most spiritual people are those that are content being in the back room, being in their closet, praying and giving birth to a move of God on the earth. They don't have to be seen. They don't have to be heard. They don't have to talk. They don't have to demonstrate their spirituality. They are happy giving birth. Being that handmaiden that's giving birth in the privacy of her own closet. Hallelujah. 
Pride ought not to have a place in people that really pray. Because if they're proud, they don't pray. It's really very simple. If they're proud, they don't pray. Or they don't pray effectually. They don't pray right. Because you cannot fellowship with the Lord. You cannot fellowship with the third person of the Godhead, the mighty Holy Ghost, and come out in pride. You cannot pray, pray, fellowship with the, the one that was called meek and lowly and come out full of pride and tell people what the Lord's saying to you and what the Lord's doing with you and what you're called to do and all these other things. Shut up and just pray and be content that God is pleased with you that if you pray in secret with the right motives, he will reward you openly. You don't have to tell anybody. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, more strife is caused in prayer groups and the praise and worship group in churches than any other group because there's so much pride. That tells you they're not really worshiping in spirit and in truth and they're not really praying right with a humble heart. Because you can't praise and worship in spirit and in truth and pray with a humble heart and be proud. Hallelujah. I'm preaching good now. I'm preaching better than your amen in me. Glory to God. And Brother Hagin, man, I thank God that I came up under a man like that. Oh, he's been one of the most criticized men. And, you know, it's a wonder the devil hates him. And the devil has tried to stop him. He's in heaven now, but man, the foundation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not eulogizing him or Lifting up a man because he had flaws, weaknesses like we all do. But that man, he walked with God. And you can glean a lot from people that walk with God and walk close to God. And know how to pray into those places. People say, well, he's a, he's a father of the faith movement. That's nice. But you know what he was? He was a prayer, a humble prayer, a humble servant of God. Never wanted the limelight, never wanted the stage, never wanted to start a Bible school, never wanted to do big conferences, was happy pastoring a little small country church and helping people. And he was reluctant to have a ministry the size and the magnitude of what he had. He said, man, if I had my druthers, if I had my way, I'd be in the back room and just pray. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. I don't want to be on no platform. I wish Jesus would take me off this platform. If you want to be on any platform, you're not serving Jesus. Well, where do you even hear that today? Who exudes that kind of humility today? I'm sure there are many, but this is the place this man walked with God. And see, the reason I say this is because we've got to pay attention to the light that these pioneers of faith carried. We've got to pay attention to what the Lord said to them in generations past. We've got to pick up that which has been neglected. There's a lot of light that a lot of these men and pioneers of God carried that we have neglected. Well, these men are dead. The word of faith is dead. The movement is dead. This is dead. You know, God's doing a new thing. I mean, that's just arrogance. That is just arrogance. I had a fellow come up to me in a church and he said, you know, Hagen's dead. Word of faith is dead. What are we going to do now? What's the next thing, Brother Bert, that God's doing? You know, I, I just said a passive answer and I walked away. I said, man, this man is a fool. 
You know, I mean, he's just a fool. How can you say Hagen is dead? The word of faith is dead. That means the word of God is dead. That means faith is dead. Without faith, you can't even please God. You can't get saved. You can't get healed. You can't obtain the promises of God. How can you say faith is dead? Hagen's dead. The move of God is dead. I'm telling you where that man's headed. I knew that man's going to fall on his face many times and walk around the mountain many times before God gets a hold of him and wakes him up. Because it's pride and arrogance that's coming forth. Out of a man like that. We are supposed to take what our pioneers of faith and our fathers of faith gave to us and pick it up and build on that and walk with that. But a lot of us, you know, we left all these other things behind. And we're just walking without the light of God that he brought in past generations. We need to go back. Leave it alone, brother. Thank you. We need to go back and pick up that light and those things that our forefathers carried and gave to us and paid a great price to give to us. It took Brother Hagin 15 years to learn the difference between spirit and soul. And today we know it. We take it for granted. He burned the midnight oil to find out the difference between the spirit and the soul of man. We just take it for granted. And all these other things. The authority of the believer in these places of prayer. He's the one that said, man, the reason I sometimes don't go as deep as I can in prayer is because I'm afraid I might not come back. And I was like, first time I heard that, I'm a Bible school student. And I'm going, what the heck? Who has heard of such a thing? This man goes out into the deep places of prayer, and he doesn't go deeper in, in some instances because he's afraid to come back. Yeah, but, but that's what he was afraid of. He was afraid that he'll get out too deep that he won't be able to come back. What do you mean? Well, what do you think happened to Enoch? I believe Enoch got out so deep, he left... He left this earth in his body. He got out into a realm somewhere and just got lost in the space of God. Hallelujah. In the third heaven he went. Boom. And that's what he said. He said, sometimes I get lost in God and lost in prayer. I'm out there and if I go a little farther, I'm afraid I won't come There's been a few men that have touched. You know, it's like, it's like prayer is a, is a realm that can't be exhausted. You know, it's just like, you know, when we first, when the, the Sputnik, when the Russians send us a, a, sat, a satellite into space, remember? We spent billions of dollars so we could out, outdo them, so to speak. And we sent our astronauts into space, and the first time, they only got on the edge of space. See, we've made many advances since that first time. But see, the reason why well, they, only, they only touched the, 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 the edge of it, because they didn't know it was out there. They were afraid they wouldn't come back. They were afraid they'd lose their astronauts. And so it's the same way with prayer. I think some of us have barely touched the surface. And and we rejoice because we're in ankle-deep water and we're thanking the Lord. And yet God's got a whole body of water that you can't even touch the ground. It's a body of water that overcomes you and overtakes you. That's how it is in prayer. But that takes time to cultivate it and develop that by praying much in other tongues. So Brother Hagin went on to say, when you look out on the ocean and you see a wave, you don't see the beginning of that wave. Because the wave begins out in the deep. There's an undercurrent. There's a building up. 
is a building up and you don't see it until it gets close to the shore. Then you see the size and the magnitude of the wave. And prayer is like that. We give up because we don't see anything. And yet there's an undercurrent. There's something happening underneath. There's energy. There's, a, there's something moving. There's something going on. Just like that baby that gets conceived in the mother's womb. You don't see evidence of that for the first four or five months. Sometimes there are women that they, you don't see until like the seventh or eighth or ninth month. All of a sudden they get a little balloon that just pops up, you know. And some people, well, I'm pregnant. I'm, I'm six months pregnant. Well, you are? I don't see it. I mean, yeah, he's in there. You know, you can't see the evidence of a move of God right away. And this is where we have to labor in prayer. If nothing else, you pray in other tongues. Brother Hagin said the reason we don't have more moves of God is people do not spend enough time praying in other tongues. Direct quote. It's in that book from Brother Hagin. And he gives examples of different things that happened because people prayed in tongues until they prayed something through. We don't know anything about praying through today. But I'm telling you, you just can't go wrong praying in tongues because you're praying with God's understanding, which is, which is unlimited. Our understanding in English or whatever language you pray in is very limited. I mean, come on. I can go and pray in my understanding. In five or ten minutes, I am done. I don't know what else to say except I can pray around the world and pray for every nation and every tribe and every tongue and just pray it all out in English when God has a different way, a higher way, a better way to pray mysteries with His understanding which is perfect, and it's in other tongues. But our minds get so busy because we can't get in on the mysteries. And after praying two minutes in tongues, we're like, the Lord's saying this, the Lord's saying this, we're praying for this, we're praying. And it's like, really? I mean, I don't doubt if you're really interpreting what's being said and prayed in tongues. But a lot of times it's just the effort of the mind wanting to get in on the prayer in the Spirit. They don't like, the mind doesn't like to be left out. But the more you can put your mind down, put your little carnal brain down, and go out in the spirit, the more effective you'll be. Hallelujah. We pray too much with this. Not enough with this. And I realize that you can pray with your understanding and be praying, be interpreting. What you've prayed in the spirit. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that at all. Many times I get over into English and I've got unction. I've got utterance. And I'm praying by the Holy Ghost. My wife is just a, a, a master person. I mean, God's anointed her to pray that way. A lot of it is in tongues, but a lot of it is in English. But it's tongues with interpretation. Praying. Paul said, I will. You can pray with the spirit. Pray with your understanding also. Meaning, he's really saying the deeper meaning of that. I'm going to pray with my spirit and then interpret with my understanding what I prayed with my spirit. I will sing with my spirit. Then I want to interpret what I sing with my spirit. I will sing it with my understanding. But a lot of times, if you just stay in tongues, you can't go wrong. You're praying God's perfect prayer. Just read, if you you can't read this whole book, read, just read the the third part, the end of it. I mean, start it. I like to start at the end. Many, many times I get new books and I start at the end. 
you know, I'll start in the middle. I'll find a place where it's juicy, where my appetite can be drawn in to read the rest of the book. You know what I mean? Just kind of browse through. Oh, this looks good. And you read it and say, oh, man, I got to read this whole book. And that's the way it is. I'm saying all that because there's a move of God. I think after the Brownsville revival, the outpouring in Pensacola, the Lord has witnessed to my wife and I in in recent times that something was short-circuited. As great as that revival was, something was short-circuited. And the Lord bore witness with us. The wisdom of man got in. Paul said, who has bewitched you? There was a bewitching that happened. And man began to lean again on his own wisdom and his own ability. And that's, you know, you can, you know, you can build a mega church with your own wisdom and your own ability. You can have programs that attract people. You can, you can, you can water down the gospel to attract people. You can have fun and games and entertainment. You can do all kinds of stuff and you can have a church of thousands almost overnight. That doesn't mean it's God. I'm not saying everything that's big is not God. I'm not saying that at all. Bigness is not tantamount to, to, you know, ungodliness. Because there are big churches that were born birthed of God. But a lot of times it's not. And we're fooled. We're fooled by the visible. We're fooled by these things. We think something that's new and grows fast is automatically God. But man can do it. And he's proven that he can do it. Hallelujah. We've got to have discernment. But anyway, there's a move of God on. God you know, we think, man, where's God? Why isn't God moving? Why isn't God? You know, why Why all the darkness and the bondage and all the things that we've seen in our nation here in just the last 10 years? What's, what, where's God's response? Where is his divine response? It's in the body. It's in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. We've got to bear the responsibility. Of prayer. If we want to see the move of God like we've seen it in days of old. Even greater. Even greater. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's really just an exhortation to pray. I know I preached a little bit, but that's all that's all we're doing. Stirring you, stirring you, keeping you stirred. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's a place in the spirit that I sometimes go that's in tongues and groanings and utterances that I can't even speak English. If I do, I take myself right out of the spirit. And so get used to that place. The Lord has told me, don't don't try to 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 figure out with your head all the time but give place to that anointing and he's and he's showing me lately that there is such a, a glory uh this last prayer time I was in with um with Bert I was in such a lighted a place and all I could feel was like just to stay there in prayer bore nakyanayena
non istane konestene kena non istene kainestene kainestene kometestene na mure kenas tune inas tune kastene dine kana binostene kuna hinostene kenene nema funur destistako be Thank you, Father. It's already here. It's already started here. But it's going to go deeper now. It's going to carry more of a power and an effectual working of his power that you're going to bring forth the, the birthings of a move of God. So get used to being in that place and staying in that place and growing and touching other anointings that are in your midst and in your body and moving and trusting one another in the spirit for in those places and in the hearts of the people there comes a supply of the spirit that brings that which is needed for that time and that moment so get used to praying in the vein with other people who they are in the spirit recognize the anointings in them and it will take you to a greater manifestation of power in this church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> For I have commanded my people <clears throat> to preach the gospel to every creature. And it's right to do so. And I said that he that believes shall be saved, and he that does <coughs> excuse me, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. But know this that some people will never be saved. Some people will never be saved by just hearing the gospel. Some people will never be healed by just hearing the gospel of healing. Some people will never come out of darkness and have the bondage of sin broken over them just by hearing the gospel. For some need intercession to be made for them. Some need prayer to be wrought on their behalf. For some will indeed be saved by hearing the gospel, but others will only be saved through prayer and intercession. So know that when you pray and when you make intercession... For my move and what I want to do on the earth. Know that it involves people. Know that it involves the harvest. Know that it gives birth to those that otherwise would never be saved. Know that it makes intercession for those that are outside of Christ. And have already heard the gospel even many times and is still not saved. Until somebody makes prayer and intercession for them. They will not be saved. So learn not only to pray with your understanding... Continue to be obedient to preach the gospel, but know that you must learn to pray with and by my spirit 
And in doing so, you'll reap a harvest that otherwise could not be reaped. Let's give him thanks. Hallelujah. Let's give him thanks. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Impregnate us, O Father. Impregnate us, O Spirit of God. Oh, that we may give birth to the move of God, the plans and purposes of God on the earth. That we may give birth to souls. That we may give birth to the harvest that's yet to be reaped. Anoint us, O God. Help us to cultivate. Help us to develop in in this area, in this vein of prayer. So that we touch new places. So that we gain new places. So that we make new advances in the Spirit. On behalf of others. On behalf of what you want to do, O God. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for being carnal. Forgive us for letting our flesh rule us. Forgive us for being lazy and sluggish. Forgive us for not willing to pay a certain price and a certain cost in prayer. We know better. We know better. We that have heard the Word of God for many years, we know better. We know what to do. Oh, Father, thank You for anointing us to do it. For it is You that works in us to will and to do of Your good pleasure. Hallelujah. Thank You for grace to pray. Glory to God in this hour and in this day. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your exhortation to me. Every time we preach, you know, we may point the finger, but there's three fingers pointing right back at me. I'm a minister. I've fallen short in this area. We all have to some degree. Hallelujah. May God anoint us. May God anoint us. May God grace us. May God help us to enter in deeper. Glory to God. So that that wave can come and be visible. Hallelujah. We want to make those waves that are undercurrents right now, we want to make them visible. Glory be to God. Before we sit down, we have several words of knowledge that my wife picked up in prayer this morning. And we just want to be obedient. Some saint may be suffering in their body. Um, You can, I wrote them down for you. Yeah, I just, I, the first thing that I saw was a body that's in pain. And it's a physical pain throughout the body. And if, the, if that's you, come on up here. The power of God's going to move through your body and bring a release of all the pain. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't need to know details about everything. Okay, yeah. And um, is he in a lot of pain? Yeah, okay. And um, the other thing is the... Um, the lower back, I saw this, um, uh, a um, like in my spirit, the back of the disc was inflamed. It was red. And it's, there's a lot of pain right back, right back here. And uh, the Lord wants to bring a release of the pain there. And there was one more thing. I can't remember what it was, though. So. 
Well, the fingers, there was a pretty oh, yeah. severe pain arthritis in fingers. In fingers, that God wants to bring a healing to an unsteadiness and a pain in your fingers. And there was um, somebody also with a, um, I don't know how you could tell this, but I guess you could tell in your body, oh. somebody with a sluggish metabolism. Yeah. And it's affecting your life and your body. Yeah, in, a, in an unusual way. So if that's anybody here, come on up now. And we're, I'm just going to lay hands. I've, I'm just, Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now I have a word here. Hallelujah. Adjustments have been made in your own heart even as you heard the word today and know that because you've made adjustments my healing power flows now into your body hallelujah you're standing in the gap right hallelujah father we thank you we've all touched this handkerchief at different times during these meetings and we touch it again in agreement. The elders of the church, we send this handkerchief off with my sister. And we thank you that it, when it's laid on the body of her husband, our brother, we thank you that that sickness, that cancer will begin to dissipate and disappear from his body. And it will affect a healing and a cure. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Put that on his body and start rejoicing. Hallelujah. into the sanctuary today when I saw him I 
Father's going to lay hands on you. Just come in. That blessing may include healing. It may include other parts of his life and body. So right now, in obedience to your word, I command the blessing to come in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you for it. lift our hands to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be glorified in this house now and always. Be glorified in this house now and always. Let your power increase. Let healings increase. Let miracles increase. Let revelation increase. Let salvations increase. Let the numbers grow. And let the Spirit continue to flow. Be glorified in this house. Be glorified in the lives of everyone. Be glorified in every household. Be glorified in the young and the old. Be glorified in the ministers and the saints. Hallelujah. Be glorified in this community, in this state, in this region. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Amen. Pastor Ray, Carol. Hallelujah. While you're still standing, I'm going to share a couple things. Um, you know, Brother Bird preached here as if he was preaching to 5,000. And I recognize the anointing on the Word, and I recognize the anointing in his life. And this Word was to transform this body here. And I want to encourage every one of you. I am sensing this in my spirit. It's not that I'm sensing. I know this in my spirit. Some are afraid to really move out over into tongues, <clears throat> come out to prayer meetings, not be a part of it because it's been a lifestyle. And I just want to encourage all of you. And I'm not, this is, this is for every one of us. You know, I, I've, I've been seeing how God has been moving and increasing in our prayer meetings. And it's been wonderful. Maybe you weren't given over to that place of prayer and praying in tongues. But today's a new day where God will give understanding. And God will enlighten our hearts. And when I'm saying enlighten our hearts, he's going he's gonna to bring his wisdom there. And he's going to bring knowledge there. Because in God's heart, it was so, it's so important. And if it's so important to him, it should be so important to us. Amen. I am all for this. I am all for the shouts. And I'm all for keep on preaching, Brother Bert. Keep on through the preaching. But what I'm not for is when people leave this house and go back into the same way they came in. I am for the anointing 
to break things in our life, a lifestyle, a mindset that we've been in because God wants to get business done. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can't hide in our own padded little houses when there's the house of God that God calls his people to to gather. And there's times, I mean, of course, every day he calls us in our own little padded houses. Enoch was here and Enoch was no more because Enoch spent hundreds of years with God in prayer. Hundreds. A few hundred years with God in a cave in prayer. That's how he became a friend of God. Intimate. Chariots of fire that came for, like we read about in Elisha, came for Enoch. The same way. Took him off. And you know what? I believe because God spoke to me years ago and he said, the generation of the return of the Lord will be the generation of Enoch. They will be a people They'll be spending much time with God. We might not be living hundreds of years like Enoch. But it'll be a people that are given over to prayer and intimacy with God. And I I just want to share this because the Lord spoke something to me. And this is for Bert and Carolyn. But it's something that God was doing here. So please listen, listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. I've heard, you don't even have to give Brother Bird a mic when that anointing's on him. But it was piercing the region. It's not just here at this church. He was preaching to thousands outside the door. But we benefited from it being here. Amen. 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 We sure did. But the Lord spoke to me while I was preaching, and he said, He has a breaker's anointing on him. That anointing and the preaching and straight through, not not sugar-coated. It's what the church needs to grow up in him and to grow in our own personal experiences. It's a longing in their hearts that I know to see the church be the church, to see what the church what the glorious church without spot or blemish or wrinkle. And I know their hearts and their hearts are to see a pure outpouring. And we can't say glory, hallelujah, you know, and all that and walk out and then that's it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I, I sure get tired of it. And I think God gets tired of it. And this has come to me over and over again in the past several months. And I thought, Lord, this isn't one this isn't a chapter where people want to talk about it and ministers don't want to preach on it, but it's Hebrews six. I want to encourage everybody look at me, say Hebrews six. I'm gonna go home and read it. I'm going to read Hebrews 6. 
because we're going to touch on Hebrews 6. And it's about people who have tasted of the powers of the Holy Ghost and walk away. And it talks about there's no return for them. And it was just like, even though God will still go after us, but it was just like their friend that was in homosexuality. And he got scared, man. So scared. And you know, I pray that at times. I pray, Lord, scare them. Scare them to the place that they'll come back. That they'll feel eternity. And the next step they take or next breath, it could lead them into a place. Scare them, Lord God. That might not sound like a prayer that you want to pray. But I remember Mom Goodwin told us she would pray for her sons and say, Lord, I'm asking you to take them and shake them over the fires of hell. And that's how she prayed. And they returned to the Lord. There's so much, church. Listen, we are the generation that God wants to use. Amen. But Brother Bert, this is in Carol, this is what the Lord told me. He said, you have a breaker's anointing. And that anointing is to break the mindsets out of the, to come out of the natural and into the spirit. Out of the natural and into the spirit. All the praying that you've been praying preaching, the pushing through, the plowing, like Elijah, and pushing, and the heart of God in you to break and to break open, break mindsets, break things open, and it's just not in churches church because see this this is just a ceiling but you know there's a sound and when the anointing's on that sound of that voice it carries it's a weightiness that carries in the spirit and it goes beyond four walls and a ceiling amen it penetrates so when the prodigals when he said the prodigals are coming back they're coming back Absolutely. It penetrated. And I know many of us have prodigals. Amen? And I can look and say just about every one of us have prodigals. Come on. They're coming back. Glory to God. And if you're a prodigal that has been walking away from the Lord... I want to say this, walking away from the Lord. You know, the scripture says it was Jeff Tadlock Tadlock that said this in our church. He said, if you're late in the natural, you're going to be late in the spirit. Every time those doors open, you're going to be late. And we can have a lot of excuses. Like I've said, there's a lot of excuses today. But come on, guys, let's get real. Who are we kidding? There's a return of the Lord that's coming. Are you going? Train up a child in the way he should go. And I see this so much. I used to say this a lot when we were first in the ministry. 
train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. In other words, your training is your example. Your training, hello, back there, everybody. Are we on video, Tim? Training is our example. If you're church hoppers and go all over the place, you're just training your kids to backslide. You'll go from one place to the next, the next, and not get rooted, and you'll end up backsliding. And this is the truth. And if you can't be on time for a service and, and ask God for that excitement, We live in a generation where kids rule the parents today. Parents aren't ruling the kids and training them in the mindset, the right mindset. And this is all over, all over the world. We've traveled other nations and we see it in Europe. We see it all over. Here in America. Children dictate to the parents, and it's like, no, 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 it's backwards. And all I'm saying is, is this. I want to see the outpouring of God just like all of you do. And here's one more thing I'm going to touch on because, man, it was like, that just came to me. And I felt that it was necessary after this, this, this ministry of the Holy Ghost to all of us. There's a scripture, I believe it's in Hebrews 10, my Bible. Uh, it might be under, oh yeah, thank you. Oh, that's, that's stuck. It's okay, thank you. Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews 10 or Hebrews 13. Let me see. I love this scripture. Because when I, when I, listen, we're not going to stay. I'm not going to keep you. But if we were in an outpouring, you'd want to stay. And you would be so on fire if I read this scripture to you. You would. You would be standing like you did with Brother Bert. When I read this scripture to you says, do not forget, Hebrews 13, verse 16, do not forget or neglect to do kindness and good, to be generous and distribute and contribute to the needy of the church. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. Guess what the next scripture is? Obey your spiritual leaders in the house and submit to them continually recognizing their authority over you. For they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part. Let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would be not profitable to you. I just go, that's a fearful scripture. Wow. It's a wonderful, 
I know. He's the word. Look at the scripture, everybody. Some are making faces. Some of you are saying, I have my own mindset. I don't have to read this one. If we're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, we need to be obedient to the word of God in every which way. Do you know how many churches... With joy. How many churches are struggling over this one verse here? A breaker's a breaker's anointing, everybody. Breaking, and this is what happened to us today, to break the mindset of the way we've been thinking. To break that off of us, to break us into, and a a breaking in the spirit. I don't know about you guys, but my heart has always been, my heart, my heart has always been, you know, hon, me, I want to see the outpouring. I know what it is also to pray in other tongues, no other way to pray. There's no, that's all I've ever said. That's all I've ever known from the time I've gotten born again. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and had an upper room experience and heard the sound of, of the rushing wind. And I remember when I started to pray in tongues and I wasn't really taught on it till I got a hold of Brother Hagen's material and started sitting under his teaching. And I longed inside to be around older ones that knew and understood and experienced what it was to pray in the spirit. Most of my teaching and learning was by the Holy Ghost. And I was asking him, is there more language, Lord, than just what I'm praying? I learned that there's moods of the spirit because you can get caught in just praying a Holy Ghost language but not get the mood and the heart of the Holy Ghost that changes the language into to take you into a place in him to pray through for things. I told you this, our Jeremiah, our grandson, is having all kinds of dreams right now. Tell me about some last night after you left, Bert. He said, and you know, the kids' language today, he said, it's crazy. They're crazy dreams. And I said, what do you mean crazy? He said, no, good things. That crazy means good. Crazy. But he had a dream not too long ago. Remember, he, he shared it with us? He had a dream that he was actually, he kept saying this to me. Mama, I actually felt like I was really there. I felt like I came. I wasn't in my body. I was really there. And he found himself at the wall of Jerusalem, at the wailing wall. Sorry. And he was praying and praying and praying in other tongues. Praying and praying and praying. And he found himself wailing and crying, and he didn't know why. And then he felt the weightiness, and he felt the wall. He saw the wall. He was there at 
the wall. And he prayed, and this weightiness of God came on him, and he actually, it started to push him down. The weightiness was forcing him down to the ground. And he said, I never want to lose this feeling of his weightiness. And I just thought, God's on the move. When I hear this, God's on the move. God's doing something. And guys, we're all a part of it. How much we yield over to him is how much we'll receive from him. You know what I mean? A lot of us are struggling too long, too hard, too much. And it can all be taken care of in the spirit. Right over there. It's true. So, I don't know. These forms were wonderful. Today... The language of God through Brother Bert and the praying for this through Carolyn was absolutely a banquet. Awesome. Awesome for all of us. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 6, it's good for you. It's good for your soul. It really is. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, please stand. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to make sure. Let's rever what the Lord has said to us today. Amen. And um, by the way, tomorrow night is usually the night for prayer, and I know a lot of folks have family activity and all that. So Wednesday evening will be prayer for this week. We're not doing the first three days because of the holiday and all. We're, We're going to do that next week, the Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, okay? But grab your neighbor's hand if you would. Father, in Jesus' name, we appreciate the reverential awe of God. And, Lord, that we would truly come into that place of a greater willingness and obedience with joy. Not out of duty, but out of love. Glory, as David had prayed, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Glory, may it be ever resident and president, present rather. May it be president in our life. <laughs> Hallelujah. We love you. We love the body here. We love each other and we thank you for your anointing. We cover Burton, uh, Carolyn right now, Father. We thank you for them and their comings and their going. In Jesus' name, we bless them. Come on, let's collectively. We bless them. Your word says how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. That everywhere they go, they're taking the fresh message of Jesus Christ, of the Father of life, by the Holy Ghost. Through word and spirit, demonstrations, higher and higher, deeper and deeper, for your glory. For their joy in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. God bless America. Amen. Amen.